and welcome to episode 37 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales. Glad to be with you once again. If this is your first time joining me, this show is simply a show where we hear original classical guitar compositions from around the globe. And I guess every composition is original to somebody, right? But what this show does is it allows you to air your composition and it will be heard worldwide. All you have to do is send an mp3 recording to chris at classicalguitarcomposers.com. Just send me an mp3 in an email, along with information about yourself, about your piece, whatever you want. And then I play it on the show. The only requirement is that it's a classical guitar piece. It can have, well, and that it's a recording of a real classical guitar, not MIDI. And anything else that's with it, I don't care, as long as we have that nice, warm sound of plucked nylon. Or gut, if you're old school. Today's episode is going to be a somewhat self-indulgent episode, all about my favorite subject. Which reminds me, a great way to support the show is to go to classicalguitarcomposers.com, click on the link that says Sheet Music, and you can purchase some of my original compositions. And that's a great way to support the show and get a little something in return. And I would just like to take a moment to say thank you to all of you who have done that. It really means a lot to me. I I truly thank you. I hope you're enjoying the pieces. But if that's not your thing, no worries. You can still listen to the show. It's a free show. It's just a podcast. Just sit back and relax, have yourself a nice glass of iced tea, talk a little classical guitar, talk a little life, and then we hear some classical guitar. So I say self-indulgent because I will be airing my newest composition today. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you all. But first, I'd like to read an email from our good friend Martin Slater. Martin writes, Chris, Firstly, please find attached, suitably spaced guitar manuscript paper ready made with treble clefs. You can copy this ad infinitum. Regarding John Cage, my opinion of him is purely academic as I have studied the evolution of musical style and practices from the time of Bach right through to such as Schoenberg and his second Viennese school. Varese's theories of blocks of sound and good old Charlie Ives' multitonality Example, imagine two brass bands playing different melodies in different keys converging on one location. Cacophony rules, okay? Of the four, including Cage, only Ives and Varese have any redeeming features. Here I might be slightly unkind to Alban Berg. Ives does have more cogent moments, and Varese was actually the first to use any kind of electronic device. As for Cage, The fact that his best-known piece has no music at all speaks volumes for the rest of his output. (laughs) Meanwhile, I have rather occupied doing a casual contract for Royal Mail, attempting to ensure that mail, however badly addressed, (laughs) gets to the right part of the world. You would not believe that local mail posted in USA and Canada (laughs) actually ends up over here. Think of a place that has the same name as in England and we might get it. (laughs) Not sure what it says about the sorting process on your side of the pond, but I did try to put some of them right. Uh, 
Also, having had my third booster COVID jab, I did suffer more obvious side effects, e.g. nausea and shivers, which did slow me down a bit, put me off food for a bit, a remarkable event, but didn't stop me. Certainly meant I had your last two podcasts to listen to at once. Nice to hear my studies and your comments on my last email. My guitar will certainly be living out of its case for the next few months at least, as 2022 is the 50th anniversary of the founding of my Southampton Classical Guitar Society. To celebrate this, we will be performing a new ensemble piece called Timescale by the brilliant composer Vincent Lindsay Clark, who also just happens to be a member of our society. The piece is in five movements, four ensemble parts, one solo, and a bass part. I plan to do the ensemble guitar part two, and have already fingered the first movement. The last two movements have not yet been supplied, but a complete Sibelius recording has been supplied for us to listen to. The first performance is due in April, and a proposed second in October. Just what I need to kick things into gear in the new year, which, now that I have come to mention it, I wish you all the best for. Martin. And I have a follow-up clarification from Martin, which states... Chris, one monster mistake I did make is that the ensemble piece we will be doing is actually called Time Span. This is because each movement will reflect a different period in musical history, Renaissance, Baroque, Classical, Romantic, and Spanish. In the composer's words, Time Span. Vincent says it's about the time span of music through the ages, played and listened to by all members of SCGS and all guitarists. Each of the five movements represents a decade featuring a hit song from a period and composed in a particular style, Renaissance, Baroque, Classical, Romantic, and Spanish. Vincent says, I've graded the parts, the trickiest being part one, with part four being the least demanding. There is a classical six-string bass part, which is important to the piece. Lastly, there is the soloist part, which I will play. Time Span will receive its premiere performance at Turner Sims Southampton on the 2nd of April, 2022. Very cool. I love that idea. Uh, There's a lot to respond to here, so I want to start with that. I love that idea of the composing in the different periodic styles. That's something I've always been interested in doing, and I've kind of done a little bit of it, you know, especially Baroque. I, I, I attempted a lot of Baroque stuff, and my second suite definitely relies heavily on Baroque stuff, but never with full commitment to where, I, I like that idea of where you have a multi-movement piece with the different periods represented. I think that's cool. I hope that goes well, Martin. And uh, I'm also curious, what is a classical six string bass? Is that like a bass guitar with like, does that even work with nylon strings? I've never heard of that, but I'm interested. My wife is a bass player. Regarding the manuscript paper, in the previous episode, I was complaining about manuscript paper uh, notebooks being putting the staves too close to each other for guitar music. We need lots of space, lots of ledger lines for guitar music. And uh, Martin, I really appreciate what you sent me, but I've actually made my own before, but here's the thing. (laughs) I'm just, I'm a notebook guy. I know I could like print it all off side by side and maybe that is what I should do. Put it in a binder, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I like it all nice and neat in a notebook that can 
move around with me and I can sketch out pieces anyway but I do appreciate the the effort the solution I have been going with has been to skip every other line and I'm actually kind of liking that rather because I've found that then I can make corrections in the lines between when needed so I actually may have just like thought out loud basically on the previous episode about a problem and come up with a solution all, all just uh, in real time <laughs> regarding these uh, four composers you mentioned the only one I ever really found any anything that was to my taste that, that really caught my attention at all was Charles Ives and I found like a, a real mixed bag with him. Some of his stuff I thought was pretty cool, some not so much. I I certainly uh, feel that I made my feelings known in the previous episode, <laughs> and probably others, but I I just remembered this time. Uh, <laughs> there's a video somewhere out there of I don't know. It's like a question and answer with John Cage, it's an old video, and they're probably students asking him questions, but one of them, he just like asks John Cage how he would feel if like during the uh, re the silent piece, if someone in the audience just like passed gas really loud. <laughs> and John Cage like thinks about it with a total straight face and he says, I would listen. And <laughs> I lost it when I heard that answer. I laughed so hard. I don't know why I found it so funny at the time, but I've, I've completely forgot about it till now. I'm going to go ahead and read one more thing by Martin. If my neighbor's dog will stop barking. This all began because of this quote by Mozart, where he said, the music is not in the notes, but in the silences between. And Martin writes, when regarding this when reading this quote, the first thought I had was of the American composer John Cage. Cage, apart from being a composer, was a music theorist, artist, and philosopher. The work that has particular relevance to this subject is titled 433, 4 minutes 33 seconds, which was conceived in 1947 and 48, and first performed, in quotes, in 1952. I say conceived because it contains not one note of music as we would naturally expect. Indeed, the instructions given in the score is for any of the instruments chosen for the occasion not to play anything for the time specified. The inspiration for such an idea has likely roots in Zen Buddhism, which Cage has studied in the late 1940s. Silence had played a major role in several of Cage's earlier works, so it seems that the so-called avant-garde 20th century composer had far more in common with Mozart than even he was probably aware of. It is a fact that Mozart himself was finding it increasingly difficult to get his pieces performed in his last years. Could we actually call him the avant-gardist of the 18th century? Could it have been his involvement with Freemasonry that began to lead his thoughts along such revolutionary lines? Or further, had he actually gained knowledge of Zen Buddhism through these associations? These are indeed interesting speculations, although I think Cage went one step further when he began to classify the random sounds both within and without the performance hall as the music itself. I believe Mozart's concept was of genius 
I believe Mozart's concept was of genuine silences within a re recognizable musical structure, written within the accepted conventions of 18th century music. Well, there you go. The sounds of the concert hall, as uh, one student speculated. Here's a, a thing I've never understood about that 433 piece. When you watch people do it, and, and I had to when I was, you know, back in, in college, this somebody sits there at the piano, and they start a stopwatch, and they sit, they sit and turn the pages. Why are you turning pages? That's where I'm confused. Is it um, because if, if you're performing a piece, let's just let's let's pretend I'm taking it seriously for a second. Let me do my best effort to take it seriously. The piece is supposed to last four minutes and thirty three seconds. So, how does it work with what measure you're on? Because the performer sits and like turns pages, like he's like he's going through the piece. Does, does the so he starts a stopwatch does the stopwatch tell him when to turn the page that's where that's where I'm confused because I would think if you're sitting if you're doing a performance of the piece then you're supposed to sit there and rest for all these measures okay is it like at at two minutes you've now gone through whatever however many measures? I, I don't understand. Or do you just turn the pages randomly? Because that just that that takes away its credibility to me. If also relying on the stopwatch, I mean that's like performing with a metronome. It's not even a, a real like genuine live performance, is it? If you're sitting there with a stopwatch, it seems to me that you're cheating. You, you can see videos of this, and and it's like some dink sitting at the piano like totally straight faced you know turning pages with a stopwatch and a bunch of idiots in the audience like sitting there and then big applause at the end <laughs> I just, yeah. so which is it is it because is it, because i would think if 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 i'm going to sit there and perform that piece i have to sit and count right i have to try to keep a, a good tempo also, I mean, is it what does the time signatures change throughout? Like, maybe I'm just referencing one video that I've seen. I'm pretty sure I've only watched this thing once. <laughs> I don't. Maybe they're not all included with page turns. I guess, like you know, depending on what edition you're playing, page turns are in different places. If there's any need for a page turn, there there would be no real need for a page turn unless you were like changing time signatures throughout. Because if you're not changing time signatures or anything like that, you can just have a multi-measure rest, however many rests it is. It's something I've, I've never understood about it. That's probably all the John Cage will ever need to talk about on this show going forward. No, you have interesting thoughts, though, Martin. I, I think, uh, yes, Mozart was genuine with what he said. I, I would have, like, regarding the effect of of rests and and pauses in music i often wonder what uh, a lot of the old great composers would be like in today's world <laughs> you know mozart would probably be what uh, composing film music would be my guess <laughs> commercials 
commercial jingles, pop music, uh, it's kind of a sad thought, really. But I'd imagine he'd go where the money was. I, uh, and I also, I didn't know Mozart was involved in Freemasonry. That's, uh, that's news to me. Interesting. I have a friend who, uh, has joined them. It's like big into it now. Well, Martin, I hope you're feeling better after your booster. It sounds unpleasant. I hope you've pulled out of that okay. And that is hilarious about the mail. <laughs> Sadly. I don't know what it says about our postal service. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't it doesn't really doesn't have the best reputation, honestly. The uh, the old Pony Express has has a lot more respect than our current postal service. Well, thank you, Martin. I appreciate the email. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to email the show for any reason at all, want to respond to anything I've said. You don't have to email with a piece. You can just email commentary on the show. Just chris at classicalguitarcomposers.com you talking about that uh, COVID booster jab, Martin. Reminds me about... Uh, I have bought some concert tickets. Uh, concerts are pretty scarce outing for me these days because... I don't know, I just got to a point where... I wasn't enjoying them as much. I used to go to so many concerts, and anyway, I, I I would tend to go to. I always liked smaller shows, and you know I would like to go to like concerts at smaller venues and you know more reasonably priced shows and stuff, and and still enjoy those to a certain point. But I I don't know. Just at some point, like I realized, like when I would go to a concert, like I was like ready to go home, <laughs> but. <laughs> And then I never would, I would always pass on the bigger, like, the big venue shows, because they're so expensive. But, so I think I've seen, like, just about everybody at least once that I really like. Well, not everybody. Like, I've never seen the Rolling Stones. I love the Rolling Stones, but I, I'm not paying Rolling Stone prices. But I did drop some money uh, recently. <laughs> And I've bought Iron Maiden tickets because I've never seen them. I always pat they've they've come to Utah many times, and I've been a fan. But I, I, you know, it's usually just it's an expensive concert. And now though, there's a little bit um, more incentive to go because I've never seen them. I would like to at least once. I really dig their new album. I bought their new album, and yeah, I really like their new album. And then the other thing is my kids all love Iron Maiden, which is pretty cool when your kids get into your music. I, No matter how hard I try, my kids just don't like the Grateful Dead, which bums me out. My oldest daughter does a little bit. You know, they don't mind them, but they don't, they just, it's not their thing. But for some reason, they, they all love Iron Maiden. It's like the, it's the household band that everyone agrees on. So... We're having a family outing. I, I bought, uh, well, my son didn't want to go, but I bought my two daughters tickets. So me and my wife, my two daughters, are going to go to Iron Maiden. It's almost a year away, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, gun-shy there to get too excited because I just feel like it's going to get canceled for some reason. <laughs> I hope not, but 
it's a long time for a, a concert to not get canceled these days, sadly enough. But man, if uh, we make it to September, that's on the horizon. I'm really excited about it. Looking forward to it. Okay, how about some music? Submissions are slow at the moment, so gives me a chance to show my brand new piece, and I'm excited about it. I've been talking about it for probably the last, I don't know how many months, but uh, it always feels good to finish a piece and cap it off with a nice recording. And just like any of you who send in music to this show, I like to share my composition around the globe as well. So I appreciate you all both contributing to the show and I appreciate you listening to the show. It it feels good to have your pieces heard. So this may be a good time to hit pause and go refill your iced tea, get yourself comfy, and enjoy a few minutes of guitar music. A little bit about the piece, this is Variations on Scarborough Fair. A while back I talked about how I struggle with the theme and variations form. It feels like it should be easy to me, and for whatever reason it's not. But uh, I was able to kind of overcome my own complications with it and come up with something that I feel is pretty good. It's probably not my favorite thing I've ever composed, but it is something I'm proud of and looking forward to sharing it with you. I did find out during the process of composing this piece that the Scarborough Fair melody that I think most of us probably know isn't the original melody. And so then I was worried that um, was I working on something that wasn't traditional music? Because that's what I knew it as. Uh, my daughter learned it like in, in piano forever ago and it was it was listed as traditional in her book. Um, I was worried that like I had, I was like, did Simon and Garfunkel write this melody? Because that, I, I didn't want to. I don't want to write a theme and variations on like a, a Simon and Garfunkel tune. <laughs> Nothing against them, just, you know, I I wanted to stay within public domain, but uh, doing some Wikipedia research, which, take that for what it's worth, but uh, I think they, <laughs> I believe what I read was they credited themselves with it in the, in the, on the album, but didn't write it. They were shown by this other guy who was a collector of folk music, I believe, and he showed them the melody and was not happy that they did not list it as uh, traditional, if I'm remembering right. It was a whole thing. Anyway, this melody is, both the melody and the song really have been used quite a bit. Uh, like Bob Dylan's Girl from the North Country is very derivative of this song. I both like the song and the tune, it's just, I always felt like it would make a good basis for a theme and variations. So that's what this is, Variations on Scarborough Fair. I hope you enjoy.
That was Variations on Scarborough Fair by me. Thank you for listening. There's one thing about that I wanted to say. Uh, so I got these new microphones. That's the first real recording I've done with them. I tried doing a podcast with them, which was a bad idea. They did not really make for good vocal mics, especially with the setup I have. I did not really set them up correctly for vocals. But anyway, I loved them for guitar so uh, I now have a new uh, I had been recording in mono just using this same mic which is great it's funny because it always sounded fine to me my older recordings but when I set them side by side with that one I'm like oh wow these these one these are much better <laughs> anyway it's nice to be recording in stereo now and I, I really like the way the the sound turned out on that recording for a you know I don't have a studio. I work at a recording studio, but honestly, it's just easier to record at home. <laughs> it really is. So, you know, that's just recorded in my basement. Uh, nothing special about the room at all. I really need to do some treatment in here. Because there, there's definitely things I could do to make it better, but, you know, it's not as high on the priority list as other household needs. But anyway, these, uh, I recorded those that with... A matched pair of Lewitt LCT 40s. Pretty inexpensive pair of condenser microphones. I I believe it was less than 150 bucks, which is nothing to scoff at. I mean, that's uh, 
plenty of money, but in the world of microphones, relatively cheap, but I think good quality. I really like these a lot. <laughs> For the price of a nosebleed Iron Maiden ticket, <laughs> for less than, let me put it this way, for less than two nosebleed Iron Maiden tickets, you could get this matched pair of microphones. So, something I'm excited about, it makes me want to do more compositions, to do more recording. Hey everybody, that'll be it for today. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time. Until then, keep on plugging.